Welcome back to TDR's Dairy Automation Talks. I am Ruben Almada. It's been a while since we've been here, but I'm back. Uh, two weeks ago, I attended the Lely FMS conference and had the opportunity to talk to several people about setting up some guest spots. And so going forward, you should hear from a few Lely employees talking about how automation can improve people's lives on the farm. Um, our first guest today will be Katie Meyer, my FMS contact at Laylee. Um, so I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thank you. I'd like to welcome Katie Meyer from Laylee to our podcast today. So um, we're here to talk a little bit about what FMS is and what she does for Laylee and how she supports me in my role um, on a day-to-day -day, weekly basis. So um, Katie, welcome. Thanks, Ruben. So give us a little bit of background about yourself and where you're at and what you do with Laylee and how you got there. Yeah, so I uh, originally come from not too far away from you, so about an hour north in Lodi. Um, grew up there. My family has vineyard there. Um, also has sheep, so I was involved in animal ag from that side of things. Uh, went to Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo, like a whole bunch of us did. Yes. And um, that's actually where I think it was my junior year there. Um, started to think about, okay, what am I going to do after? I'd always kind of thought I'd go down the large animal vet route. Uh, like many of us did as youngins. Yeah. And then I took OCHEM and uh, <laughs> thought, eh, maybe, maybe not. not. <laughs> right. I, I had a similar experience when I got to MJC and I said, this is what I want to do. And they showed me the list of classes and I said, what else you got? <laughs> yep. So then I started thinking, okay, what else can I do animal science wise involved in animal ag? I knew I wanted to stay in that realm, uh, being in California, massive you, dairy industry, right? Well, uh, had you done much with the dairy industry, before, like growing up at all, or was just the sheep side of the sheep world kind of for you, sheep and vineyard? Yep, just the sheep side. My um, maternal grand grandpa actually had um, a dairy, but by the time I came around, they that was actually closed up, and they just rented it out to another dairy for heifer facilities. And uh, so, didn't get to do too much growing up on the dairy. Um, but then, yeah, in undergrad, then uh, I did have a nutrition class. And really liked that and looked okay. Other animal ag industries in California, obviously dairy is huge, lots of opportunity there. Yep. Um, so reached out to a nutrition company in the Valley and uh, they had an internship program, summer internship program. Okay. So I was able to do that. And that was really my, my first big dip into dairy. Well, that, yeah, that's a pretty eye-opening going into the nutrition world, especially in California. You know, you have a lot of, we had a lot of nutritionists out here, a lot of farms out here to can uh, get you a lot of exposure in a very short period of time during a, a summer internship. That's awesome. And after that, they, and I ended up coming out to Kansas State, uh, meeting with Dr. Barry Bradford. Um uh, worked out really well. He had a opening for a grad, grad student and um, came out here to Kansas and worked with him for both my master's and my PhD. So okay. in animal science, but with a dairy nutrition, nutrition and metabolism 
um, really transition Cal focused. For your PhD? Yeah. For both? For both, really. Okay. Uh, so did you work on a, on a, uh, some sort of product from the industry that you were doing or just looking at what kind of, what did you do for your, your PhD then? Yeah. So a lot of several product based type studies, um, some then led to a little bit more basic research to actually test bioavailability of, um, an actual product. Um, okay. then one of my transition cow product type studies, we needed numbers, right? So you're always trying to get more animal numbers. Yes. And that's actually how I got connected in a roundabout way with Laylee. Okay. Is that there was a farm about an hour north of where K-State's at mm -hmm. that was just putting in Laylee robots. Okay. And the perk for us was we knew that we could feed another feed source in the robot. Right. So we saw that as our opportunity to, hey, we can feed a treatment pellet with this feed additive in it, get a lot more animal numbers. A lot of and, data. Yes. And uh, get it was just a first um, more exploratory type study. Is this product actually effective? Are we going to see a milk yield response? Not too much into mechanisms. So... Um, for us, it worked out really well to be able to do it on the commercial farm uh, with the robots through that second feed. And then in the process, I got to learn a heck of a lot about how the robots all work and T for C at the time. So how to pull all my data. Um, so got to work with my now counterpart, Dan Myhawk, on the FMS team to learn a lot of that. So what was your, when you go to this farm for like first time, see these robots there or whatever, what was your first thought when you saw that? I'm sure you had been, you know, K-State has a dairy, been to other dairies that, and, and such. And with the, obviously your internship, you saw, you know, massive dairies in California, rotaries, parlors, all that. You go on to this. How many robots was this place? This place was 12. Okay. So you go on to this place, 12 robots. So about five, 600 cows, roughly. Um, what did you think? Um, at first, I didn't really know what to think. It was, uh, I got to go out there. We kind of started talking to them about it. Uh, but then they hadn't even started up yet. So then we actually went out and helped with startup. Oh, okay. Yep. So I, I learned that those robot arms can take a beating. <laughs> they sure can. Uh, during that startup, startup phase. I mean, some cows were not initially the biggest fans. Um, something but, different, right? They're getting exposed to something completely different. So it's, they're obviously going to be anxious about it. So, yeah. Yeah. And at that point we were all learning and, uh, it was really cool to see the, the progress though, from that startup time to, okay, we need to let them get acclimated and just how quickly though they did transition and okay, these cows are getting the hang of things. So now we actually, I think it was about a year after that we actually started the study but okay. and, and in that whole year just night and day difference just in cow temperament and uh, just how well they took to the system yeah i will say that temperament you mentioned there is something i really noticed in these robot facilities you can walk into a pen and cows don't just get up and move around they just kind of all pretty much in you know jerseys typically will just come up to you no matter what 
but even on a Holstein pin, the, the cows will kind of come up and be like, hey, what are you doing here? Kind of checking you out, kind of looking out, why are you in my pin? Versus, you know, in a conventional farm, they tend to like try to get away from you. Yep, That's exactly. One thing, I've known, one thing I've noticed. Okay, so you get your first experience in college during your PhD to Laylee. So how did you know, finish your, 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 all your PhD work, then you go through and Laylee has an opening or, or how do you end up, how do you end up there? Yeah, I guess I got pretty lucky. Um, when I was wrapping things up, um, Laylee did have this position open, uh, for an FMS advisor. Um, I applied, got to interview and ended up getting the spot. So that's, that's, and how long ago, really, really nice. <laughs> how long ago was that now? That was, I started with Laylee in January of 2020. So just over three years, three years now. Yep. And you mentioned FMS. I've talked a little bit about FMS on here before. Um, but what is FMS and what, like, so what you do, you work as FMS for Laylee. What does that mean? And what is that? What do you, how do you view FMS? Yeah. So technically FMS stands for farm management support, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what the heck? Yeah. What the heck does that mean? Right. Uh, it's we, so we have our, our technical support or technical service support as well. So our TSS team. Laylee does love their acronyms. I will yes, say. we do. Alphabet soup. Yep. Um, so our, our technical team, it's a little bit coming from the animal nutrition kind of world. It's a little bit different in that typically when you think tech support, you think of someone that's providing more support or knowledge or information on a product. Right. Uh, from the PhD, from PhDs and on these in, uh, industry companies, yeah. I, I, like I worked before when I got tech support was, was our PhD would come out and help me out on the sale or, or an issue and that kind of stuff. This is a different kind of tech support. This is more tech support. Like you would think of a, in an IT world. Kind yes. Of. So right. the actual equipment and the right. wires and every, how everything fits together on the equipment side, making the robot actually, or the robot, the Juno, the vector, or the, any of those equipment work, making them yep. actually do what they're supposed to do. So I almost think of FMS as tech support as we normally think of it in the nutrition world. Right. Um, so FMS were advisors, right? We're advisors for the cow and for the farmer. So you put in this piece of automation. Now, how does everything that you do as it relates to the cow, your overall management, how does that change? And then how can we work to help you do that more efficiently? Okay, so as a Lely FMS person in Kansas, how do you help the California farmer do that? Or how do you help? Because I know you've got your area is a very vast area. You've got guys in, in, that you take care of in British Columbia and Manitoba and all over the all over the West Coast, kind of. So you being in Kansas, how do you how do you help that? It's more a question is how do you help me as at the local position or the other people at the local level? Yeah, so a big perk for me was actually starting when I did. Um, you know, started up with Laylee right at the beginning of 2020 before the world shut down to COVID. Yeah. I think I made it to one Laylee Center for a visit <laughs> and introduction before every travel stopped. <laughs> and so we really had to learn how to work together in more of a virtual world. Right. Um, so I think that's made things a little bit easier to, okay, hop on a Teams meeting, hop on the phone. 
um, deliver information because in my position, uh, we work with Laley International over in Holland. They come out with a lot of um, new information or new updates or, you know, right now we're going through our software transition from T4C to Horizon. So in my role, I relay all of that new stuff over to you guys. It's one component of it, but then also listen to you guys in the field that are working more directly with the farmer to relay information or input feedback back over to Lely International. So a lot of that we can do, you know, on the phone, email meetings. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but then too, I do, I mean, there's no better way to learn. Uh, I'll use the Cal Poly motto, learn by doing. Yes. Uh, but being on farm, right? So I try, yes. I try to get out to you guys a couple times a year. Uh, mm -hmm. Every year is a little bit different, but helping you as you uh, were getting trained up. Um, how do things work on the farm? How do we start up farms? Yeah. Uh, so it, in a roundabout way to answer your question. Um, yeah, I'm in Kansas, but I get to go to California, to Oregon, to Washington, Western Canada, um, kind of all over. And, and because of that too, you, I get to see a bunch of different ways of doing things because how Western Canada operates or even Northern Washington is completely different from California. Right. And I have my coworkers from the East Coast and the Midwest and then we all talk with each other and so we can pick up pieces of, hey, this is working out really well on this farm. That might work out well with for one of the farms that Ruben's working with. Yeah, so, I think you know, I, I will say, <laughs> yeah, I will say that, you know, working with you and, and other people within the Laley and the FMS team is bit, very beneficial. There's a huge support system there for us on the local level. And then you guys have also done a really good job of getting us to interact with other Laley centers and talk to them, you know, so there's a lot of times that I will reach out to one of those people from another Laley center about something um, that I'm seeing, or I have a question about, or so we've, we've developed a really, uh, and I commend Laley for this to, to develop a really big community in that aspect to have troubleshooting and, or ideas or, you know, um, venting as well too, right? We always have yeah, that, those kind of things, but just just in general, there's been a great community. Um, we have a, 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 I mean, last week we were all to get a lot of us were together for the Lely Care Conference for their second for the second one um, in 2022 that was in in California, which was kind of nice for me. But it, you know, for a lot of people to get to see a very large dairy compared to what they haven't seen in the past, but. And then this last week we didn't, we weren't on farm, but we were all together and, and had a conversations about things that are working, things aren't working. How do you make this better? How do you make that better? So I appreciate that from a standpoint. Nice. How I see FMS from, from the Laley side working. I, I, I think your guys, you, like you said, you guys are our tech support, right? You're our, from the nutrition world where, where I see that. And, and I've, you know, if you, haven't if you can't answer it i know that you've got teammates that you can go to and get get answers not just in the united states either but globally right because there is a lot of robots being used across the globe today yeah and that's like you, you said it if i don't know the question 
there's somewhere in our huge network in your network of all the Lily Center FMSers, no matter where, um, that probably have faced the question that you're facing at some yep. point along the line. So. Very true. I mean, it's been, it, you know, like we were talking just before we started, I, about two years ago is when I, you know, started my interview process with, with TDR and, and started just about, you know, it'll be two years next month. So I've learned a lot in that time. I don't know nearly as much as I need to know to be there, but there's a lot of people that have been doing this for a lot longer. So I, I lean on them a lot. I lean on yourself and, and other team, your team members too, for, for questions when I have stuff. But I have gone through a lot of startups in a short period of time just because of the size of our farm. So it, it, it's been interesting too, but you guys have been very helpful in that aspect. So one of the things that we see in the in California and when it comes to automation is you you see a lot of pushback because of our size of farms. So so what do you you know we've talked a little a lot about how you've got the, got there and the farms you've seen and what you do as an FMS and we're seeing you know a lot more automated milking going in in, in the world. But what do you see as the biggest challenge with automated milking? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things, one of the biggest challenges really is perception, um, especially in your neck of the woods, uh, th the perception that automated milking is just for small farms. Right. I think we're starting to break through that. I mean, there's been a lot of farms that you guys are working with that are going all in with automated milking that are helping change that. And I know yes. lots of people are watching that. <laughs> uh, see how it goes and and then maybe they'll dive in as well so yeah. i think we're getting there it's just you know it's a slow process uh, yeah for sure for me um from a sales standpoint of it it's a very um long sales cycle this is not something that you're going to make a decision in 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 30 days on or, or or even three months, you know, the people that are looking at this is it's usually about a year or so, probably, if not longer from what I've seen in the two years that I've been here, but um, it definitely is. So, you know, you talked about the size because of the size, it makes it a difficult more. You were seeing people be slower about it. What currently in North America, what is the largest Lely dairy or dairy with Lely robots? Yep. I believe our largest one would be 32 robots or 36 robots. Okay. Uh, so that would be about 21, 2200 cows. Okay. Okay. Yep. So, and, and that yeah, one is, I mean, because we have a couple different ways of, of doing it or a couple. So, for some of the larger farms that we're on, we have some farms that have fully embraced it, gone all the way in, shut down their parlor and mm -hmm. put everything in robots. And then there's some that have put, you know, thousand cows or so on robots in addition to keeping their conventional parlor operational. Right. So using it more as an, a, an expansion piece, if you will. Yes. There's a lot of options with the robotics to do this, do things like that. You don't, you know, go all in or, or, you know, expand your herd without expanding, adding too many people um, in that aspect. Um, so to go along with the biggest challenge, what do you see as the best thing about automated milking from, you know, the cow side or the producer side or the any, any side? Like, what do you, what do you get excited about it be helping 
the farm? Yeah, so the uh, most obvious thing, especially as labor becomes a bigger and bigger issue is, um, I like to say at least your milkers are bolted to the ground. Um, you know they'll right. show up. You won't right. have to worry about getting the call that you had a whole shift not show up. And, right. oh shoot, what are you going to do? Yes, agreed with that. So that's an obvious perk. Mm -hmm. um, but from the cow side, since that's more what I focus on on the FMS side, uh, it, it's taking it back to the individual cow. So we're letting her decide when she wants to be milked. We're milking on a quarter basis. So each quarter is getting milked only for as long as it needs to. Also on the cow side, uh, there's the ability to feed multiple feedstuffs through the robots. Mm -hmm. So we can get down to more precision feeding or feeding different stages of lactation animals, um, a different type of feed in the robot. You said multiple feeds. How many, up to how many feeds can we feed in the robot? Yep. So we can feed up to four right now. We can feed up to four different feeds in the robot, including okay. a liquid. Including a liquid. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I would agree with your, your, uh, everything you said there. I think it's, it's, you know, the labor side of it's great in that side of it, but bringing it back to the cow and it, it, it reduced, I think it reduces her stress levels. Letting her, you know, she's not walking to the parlor every day, right? She's, you know, some of these barns, she's walking 300, 400 feet from the furthest spot to go get milked and then yep. feed and water right there. So there's not a lot of, so feet and legs should, should be doing better because they're not on concrete. They're on concrete, but they're not walking that much more every day and standing and waiting it to be milked. Um, so I've, I've seen that and you can see those things are doing well kind of aspect. Um, to go along with all that and what the best part of that is, where do you see this automation going? How far can we take this on a farm? You know, to from we've got we've seen out here, at least we've seen we've got automatic milking. We've seen the Junos and pushing in feed. We've seen some people attempt to do the um, calf automatic calf feeders out, out here. Um, we as a, as a Laley Center do not have those any of those in right now. We have a lot of Junos. We've got um, a, a, probably by the end of this year in our closest three farms here will be around, I think it's 77 astronauts here pretty soon. Uh, so that, but where's, where do you see this going? What other things are out there from lately that we could see going to these, some of these larger dairies and such, and what is happening on some of these smaller dairies in the Midwest, Northeast Europe? So, yeah, so I think the most the most obvious thing that we have is the Lely vector system. Um, so that would be the automated feeding system. Right. Yep. And uh, that too can look a whole look, look like a whole bunch of different things. We have uh, systems that are set up with a feed kitchen with mm -hmm. a a grabber system. Mm -hmm. uh, it kind of looks like when you're at the pizza place and they have the grabber handle for the stuffed animals but it'll oh, yeah. yep yep um pick up your different feed ingredients and put that into what we call the mfr so the mixing feeding robot there's those like acronyms again yep <laughs> more acronyms <laughs> uh but then that it, it's, it's essentially 
will mix your PMR, so your partially mixed ration, if you're in, um, if you're using robots or astronauts, and then it'll actually go out and deliver the feed as well. So, in my opinion, the the biggest perk of that, yes, you have your accuracy um, of your mixing your ration. Lots of farms do a great job already with that today. Yep. Um, but for me, it's we're mixing smaller batches and feeding the cows more often. So for <laughs> all the research that's out there of how, um, you know, two times a day feeding versus one time a day feeding, how that's more beneficial, how more frequent feed push-ups is more beneficial to increasing intakes. This essentially combines all of that. Taking to the next level, right? Yeah, taking yeah. taking that pushing it every two hours to basically feeding like every two to three hours yeah so like there's farms that are feeding you know eight loads a day and with that each time you get the cows to they're curious they'll come up that it spurs them to come up and eat and at the same time we see that pair really well with the milking robots because okay they'll come up they'll get something to eat and they'll go get milked, and then they'll go lay back down. So it makes a nice little cyclical pattern for the cow there too. For sure. Um, I'm hoping that soon we have one of those in California and get to work with one of those. I, I have a passion for the feed side of stuff. You know, I grew, that's where I've kind of been for most of my career until this this side. And um, so that'll be exciting when, once we have one out here. Um, but is there anything else that's out there that from the Lely world that's, you know, starting to kind of what make its way to North America or um, that is maybe not quite ready for North, you know, North America, but that they're doing in Europe or in Holland or anywhere like that, that you could share with us today? Yeah. So you touched on the biggest things. Um, there's also like the, um, the Lely walkway, which would be the automated foot bath, mm -hmm. um, that is out in North America right now. Um, in Europe, there is, um, I'm sure quite a few people have heard about the orbiter. Mm -hmm. Um, that is where it bottles, it bottles your milk on the farm. And that is still just in Europe. So not in North America yet. Mm -hmm. Um, don't have too much insight on if and when that will come to the States. Yeah, we've been asked about that as a Lely Center about that, but I think that's a thing, something to do with FDA and such out of our control kind of deal. Yeah, there's a lot that go, goes into it then too, and then you have to think about um, how do you market that milk and um, right. you know, it's, yep. it's a lot more. But it's cool to see just it. Cool to see you thinking that way and things like that coming for the future. Uh, one of the other things that we're seeing uh, a big uptick on uh, adoption for in the Midwest and up in Canada um, would be the collector. So um, okay. that is Tell us a little bit about what that is. Yeah. So um, to put it in most layman terms, that would essentially be a manure ruba. Okay. Um, so it is. A unit that is in, it's a smaller unit that is in the pens, in the alleys with the cows, and it can suction up manure. So instead of having like a flush system or alley scrapers, 
to remove manure, um, the collector will go about and there's a dumping station and it'll go down the alleys and is a way to uh, remove manure from your barns. Okay. We've seen some of the like large vacuum trucks and tractors with a vacuum out here. Uh, but mm -hmm. obviously with that, you have pin disturbances. you got to move the cows in the, out of the lane and that kind of stuff. With the collector, it's so you're saying, you said it just, it's in the pin with the cow. So it just, does it, you know, the cow's standing there. Does it stop when it hits the kids to the cow or does it, you know, kind of nudge her away or what, what happens when that happens, when something like that happens? Yeah. I mean, it, it'll kind of, it'll like stop for a second and typically cows move and the cows right. get used to it. And it moves very slowly, so it's not like it'll be a big, you know, big collision or anything. <laughs> right. And uh, they are pretty small, and so it's more of a, with those, it's, you know, you need quite a few, depending on the size of your barn. Right. And it's more of like a, that swarm technology kind of idea or mentality where you'll have several of these kind of throughout the barns and, uh but they work together then to keep certain areas clean. Yeah, we haven't seen any out here, but typically our barns are flush barns and that's what we've used a lot. And, you know, we get to utilize our water four or five times to do that, but I could see that coming soon out here in the future too. Yeah, a really nice thing about those is uh, when you're building, if you're building new barns, you don't have to build a crossover with a curb. Right. So you don't have to have someone go in and hand scrape crossovers. You right. can yes. just have the collector go and have that be part of its route. Uh, so yes. um, that's another, I guess, labor advantage right. by using that piece of equipment. Yeah. Yeah. And water, water usage reduction and that kind of stuff. So, yep. well, Kate, Katie, thank you so much for your time today. This has been great. Uh, learned a little bit about yourself and about, and about, what you do and what we can see coming down the road and how you help us local uh, FMSers uh, do our job. Um, so once again, I appreciate your time. So um, yeah. Yeah, it's anything, coming on. Like glad, glad, you, glad you can make it. Um, and I hope you have a great weekend and hopefully to see you soon. Um, but once again, thank you guys for listening to TDR Automation Talks, and uh, we'll be back soon. Thank you.